Welcome back to another episode of For Fintech's Sake. I'm your host, Zach Anderson Pettit, and I'm here with our magnanimous and still somewhat new co-host, John Zanoff. This week's episode was another in our series of live AMAs with our friends at Empire Startups. John, you want to tell us a little bit more about your conversation with Jeremy? Thanks so much for having me back, Zach. This week, we have a pretty amazing guest. If you don't know Jeremy Shore, Superman wears Jeremy Shore pajamas. He's a global head of the early stage practice at Grasshopper Bank, a chartered, that's right, I said a chartered neobank, and we dive into exactly what that means. We also talk about our mutual need to social distance ourselves from PPP conversations and how important mental health is for founders. And we wouldn't leave anyone hanging without talking about some of Jeremy's absolute best advice for founders. So I really hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jeremy Shore. Now, Jeremy, we've known each other for a long time. You were a mentor in the Techstars programs that I was running, but candidly, I think you've mentored in more Techstars programs than anyone in the world. But first, Tell us what you're doing at, yeah, yeah, I think so, by the numbers. But tell us what you're doing at, at Grasshopper, uh, your head of early stage. Yes, sir. So uh, my career has very much been in, one in service to founders. Uh, and so I've that, that's had a couple of manifestations. I was a lawyer for about a decade and I represented tech companies, um, stood up the venture arm of a media agency. And then I, I moved into banking. Uh, I previously was at Silicon Valley Bank leading their, their early stage practice on the East Coast. <laughs> And moved to Grasshopper uh, almost a year ago with the idea that <clears throat> the banking banking itself can be re- reimagined. How does a banking partner show up, and how to how is value created? How can banks give time back to founders and investors? How can banks add efficiency and value to founders and, and investors beyond simply the transactional? And so Grasshopper, uh, we are a licensed bank. We got a national charter from the OCC. Um, we took a very different approach than many of the, what I'd say, fintechs or challenger banks uh, have done thus far. We raised uh, approximately $135 million in capital, um, and we are a full stack bank uh, for the innovation economy. So I lead our, what I call the company side of the house, so not not the VC and the PE funds, um, and work with companies primarily uh, pre-series, well, up to series A, so call it, we think about eight to 10 million in ARR. Um, and I, aside from the digital platform, which is just a hell of a lot easier to use uh, for folks and, and not have to deal with the pain of antiquated technology, uh, we look at how we can add value to a company as a partner and how we can accelerate their success and how we can reimagine what relationship management means and work founder hours, not banker hours. So if a founder's working at midnight, I'm working at midnight. And I don't believe in the idea of here's an 800 number and hope. It's here's my mobile. And that's the mantra of the, of the bank. Um, we're also quite value led, uh, grasshopper. We're not insect freaks. We're named after Grace Hopper. She was a, a badass in the badass rear admiral in the Navy. And she actually created the, the technology that many banks are still sitting on today. And so we, we lean in very heavily as well on what we believe are underbanked folks. So founders that may not, um, be aligned with the quote unquote pattern matching. That is a problem today in the venture and it kind of goes across the stack to banks as well. Um, but 
we think a lot about journey traveled, not just where'd you go to school and what accelerator program were you in, but, but really what was your journey traveled and how can we, how can we add value to you specifically as a company and not a transaction, not, not have a transactional relationship. So why don't I stop there, John, uh, see if there are any further questions on that part. I mean, that's pretty amazing. I, I can't think of another bank that, that I would say is truly founder first. And to say that yeah. you're in service of your customers is, is pretty darn unique. So it, it's a unique philosophy from Judith and the rest of the team at, at Grasshopper. Um, and pretty amazing. Although I, I have to imagine you're seven days a week these days. Um, what's, yes. what's life been like over the Absolutely. last <laughs> So I say this jokingly because I know it's such a serious topic. So let me like give all of the, the prefaces. Um, at some point I'm going to need some social distancing from, from PPP conversations. And I only, and it's, I say it jokingly, but the last look, the last four weeks have been very SBA focused. Right. And we understand that and we, we respect it. Companies, uh, their, their ability to survive is on the line for many companies. And so the last four weeks, in many ways, we've been focused on a couple things. One, how can we be supportive with the PPP initiative in particular? And how can we help? And we took an approach where we didn't want to just help clients of the bank. Uh, our support of PPP was for any company that wanted help, we were there to support. Um, we didn't want to draw a line and say you had to be a client of the bank because during times like this, uh, I don't care if you're a client of the bank. If you're a founder and you need help, where we wanted to do that. And then secondly, the focus has been on thinking about ways that we can continue to lower the cost of banking for folks and looking at how we can eliminate unnecessary transaction fees where banks are making money today on things that we know how much it costs the bank to do it. We know how much it costs, uh, how much banks charge clients. And so we're looking at, we're actually going to be launching a campaign shortly uh, that will speak very much to um, giving founders a level of certainty around fees in an uncertain time where they're not going to have to deal with uh, quite a lot of it. Yeah, that's awesome. So you were, but, but John, the truth is, sorry, the truth, dude, what have I been doing most? I've been talking to founders about what's keeping them up at night. I'm not in the business today of talking to a founder and convincing them to bring over a banking account. That is a tone deaf approach. It's more, how can I help? If you want to work with Grasshopper, if we have value, awesome. But before that, what's keeping you up? Let's talk about how you're feeling and, uh, and just helping them straight up. That's awesome. I mean, we talked a lot when, uh, in the, in the tech stars days about, you know, in, in tech stars, mental health's a focus because you're under a lot of pressure to move fast. I think the, the founder's journey is a rewarding one, but it's an insanely difficult one. Um, and for folks like you that yeah. are then trying to help, you know, the, the metaphor, you're only as happy as your unhappiest child comes into to play. So, um, one, thank you for doing it, but you know, how do you think of, of mental health? In, in, in this environment and, and, and what advice are you giving these founders that are under all sorts of pressure to move forward? You know, all eyes are on them and they're in a, yeah. a really difficult spot trying to move a business ahead. And, and in the case of a CEO, having, having employees relying on them. 
Yeah, that's a great question, John. I mean, mental health is something that's top of mind for me every day. I mean, I, I myself uh, suffer from from anxiety. And so it's something that I, I spend a lot of time focused on uh, and, and work on. But even before COVID, look, the conceptually, one, it has to be OK to say I'm not OK. Uh, we, we, we've created this environment where founders are kind of celebritized. They're almost like superheroes. It's like, oh, my God, it's a founder and founders are supposed to know everything. And they're, they're being asked in many times to do things that they've not done before. Right. Figure out a board, figure out how to manage a board of directors, figure out figuring out how to manage teams, growth and layoff. Challenging things that aren't in the sweet spot of building a building a product or, a, or an offering. Right. So being OK to say I'm not OK is the first thing. Um, secondly, you know, I'd say that mental health is just as important as physical health. Um, the second piece is being able to say, I don't know. Um, oftentimes founders are asked questions and it's the same thing with mentors. I give this advice to folks that are mentoring. If you don't know the answer to a question, say you don't know rather than guess because guessing guessing has potentially really negative implications. Wanting to learn uh, is a much healthier way. Um, but just the last piece, John, it's because we've celebrified this industry, it's really easy to think about as a founder, you're your company in many ways is like your child, right? You, in fact, many companies are older than people's children. And so it's easy to tie your own success or failure to the success or failure of your company. Neither of that shit is true. If your company is failing, it doesn't mean you're a failure. If your company is wildly succeeding, it's not because you are the absolute greatest human being in the world, right? There's all of these external factors at play. And so my hope is that folks do not tie their own self-worth to what's happening their company. You show up every day, you give it your best, you control what is in your control, you understand what is not. And then you really, in my view, find a tribe, a tribe of people, whether they be founders, mentors, et cetera, that you can speak to and not self-filter, right? Be able to speak openly. Here's what I'm nervous about. Here's what I don't know. Here's what's keeping me up at night. And be able to have those conversations because going it alone, I mean, that roller coaster is scary. It goes up and down. There's no middle ground. And so having people around you that you can have the vulnerable conversations with is fundamentally critical if, 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 to kind of keep that mental health in check. I really appreciate that. I mean, and by the way, for, for me, John, for me, you're one of those people in my life. I, I appreciate it. I mean, I did send you a singing telegram first thing this morning. Um, and that was specifically for both of our, our mental health. We talked about it. I'm, I'm, we're not going to play my singing telegram that I sent Jeremy. I think we're, we might have their hours version that we'll, that we'll, that we'll play that on. But, um, but for founders or for anyone who's really talking to Jeremy, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a tip. Don't think you're going to talk to Jeremy without talking about how you as a person, you as a human are actually doing before you get into candidly the boring stuff that is, that is FinTech. If anyone else wants a singing telegram, just put it in the chat. I'll put you on my, my list. It was, uh, it was, it was genuine. 
But so, um, reminder, go into click, ask a question at the bottom. We have some awesome questions coming in and we're going to get to that, but I, I want to flip back to grasshopper a bit and just, there's a pretty yeah. key structural, um, legal and, and regulatory difference between grasshopper and a number of different challenger banks. I think the first is you're a bank. You're, you're not a FinTech. Now you're using a ton of technology, but you are a chartered bank and that is very unique. It is very difficult Correct. to get a charter in the U.S. So talk to me a little bit just about what that means as far as your, your offering, whether it be breadth of offering, whether it be you know what you look like in the future. How should folks think about a grasshopper, a chartered bank versus say, you know, yeah. a fintech offering a depository products? Really good question. Um, let me let me zoom out from Grasshopper. And for folks that are thinking about a banking relationship, here are things that I would think about. And this is one of the reasons we spent the time. I mean, it took about two years of not just building the technology, but but being the first bank to get a charter from the OCC, I believe, since the financial crisis. So first, I encourage everybody to read the terms and, and conditions um, of any bank or fintech that is offering banking services, because in some cases, if not if not regulated as a bank, some of these institutions, organizations are um, in the terms and conditions saying that they will share. You're giving permission to share your data with third parties. We as a regulated bank are able to offer a number of things by virtue of being a bank and being under the right, having the regulatory control in place. And fundamentally, we're not beholden to another bank. It's almost as if other fintechs that are in the banking space, they're, they're quote unquote, renting a charter. They're, they're sitting on the rails of another small bank somewhere, which means that those fintechs are beholden in many ways to what happens at that bank, what that would separate and apart. And that bank is not part of the conversation with the founder. So the risk that one is taking on really goes back in many ways to what happens with the, with the bank charter that, that is quote unquote being rented. It also allows us to be really flexible and creative in our lending we're able to have a robust suite. So not kind of a one trick pony. We we're really great at setting up. Uh, you can open up a deposit account really quickly, or we're really great at just a credit card offering, right? We're as a bank, we're able to create a full suite of products, whether it be banking companies, uh, PE funds, VC funds. I mean, we're a commercial bank for the innovation economy, but we can also be nimble and do things like uh, during SBA, after we watched the first tranche, we wanted to respond rather than react because we, we, we knew many banks were going to jump in and potentially mess it up, not clear on what PPP really was, figure out how to manage communications with founders. So for the first tranche, we just uh, were referring folks to a friendly partner that is an SBA lender that was processing loans. We did participate for the second tranche and we were able to do that in many ways because we are a bank and we were able to become an SBA lender and we were able to process the loans. Um, but it's it's having the ability to build out a, a full suite versus kind of a, a single 
one trick pony uh, focus. That's just, just contingent on technology. Those are, uh, those are some great thoughts. I, I think a lot of folks, they might have a, a PayPal credit card. I mean, one of the largest fintechs in the world being PayPal and they don't realize that there's a bank synchrony bank behind it. And those relationships are complex and it's yes. going to affect how your, how your data flows between multiple companies. Yeah. Well, it's the, your only part it's the data and it's the security. It's the security. I mean, at the end of the day, what's the, what confidence do you have in the security of your capital? Right. I mean, your capital is your, how a company survives. So I would want to be very clear on the security of my capital. And um, even if there are integrations, what happens if a certain third party were to be hacked? How does that impact the money in my bank account? Right. So uh, all, security is, is, is a top question that I would always have of opening up a bank account and, and how is it regulated and how, what are the steps being taken to protect my money? And so, again, having a charter allows us to to also we have to follow regulatory guidelines as a bank and, this, and, and you know, the safety and security issues that come with that. Yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to know the few hundred folks that are that are watching on Twitter, how many are reading the terms and conditions of their bank before they sign up? I have a feeling that uh, there's very few of them. So, you know, one question that came in that, that, that relates to what we talked about with a with a charter. John asks a question, you know, it's a regulated in- industry. So how, how do you think outside of the box in the confines of this, you know, complex regulatory environment? Another way to say it is, so you have a, a regulatory burden. How does, how does Grasshopper think about bringing new products to market in that environment? Cause you want to say agile and new and exciting and responding to your customers, but yet you have a, a, a regulatory burden. Yeah, I don't, uh, I guess I'd reframe it. I don't think of, about it as a regulatory burden. I think the regulatory uh, governance is a good thing for clients to know that their capital is is as secure as possible given the regulatory environment. But what I would say is being a new bank, one of the big things we care a lot about is client feedback. Uh, we don't have 30 years of legacy policy that dictates we do or don't do something because this is the way it's simply been done. So as clients give us feedback, we get to build product for that feedback. You know, as we start to follow data points and see more clients may want this, we're able to be agile and add it. But the second thing, the regulatory environment is not a limitation for us on the idea of, can we build a bank that's founder first? So that in many ways manifests itself in who we hire and how we show up to support a founder. Um, so I've hired, we, we've hired one of my closest friends, a, a gentleman named Miha Baldwin uh, on, on the early stage team. Prior to joining Grasshopper, Miha, his banking experience was probably limited to having an ATM card. But what Miha also did was he was a founder and exited two companies. He's a CEO coach. He worked at Amazon and Madrona, which is a fund in Seattle. He's he's kind of like the startup whisperer. And so for us, if, if a founder is going to be calling us and wants value, the banking stuff is easy to learn. But having founder DNA and being able to really understand the, the, the struggles, the challenges, we, we stacked our team with former operators and investors and founders because those are the people that founders really want to talk to. Because let's, let, let's be very honest, I'm not trying to sell 
banking as a commoditized tool, as, as a commoditized offering, right? Founders generally don't want to talk to me about just a checking account and call me and continue to talk about a checking account. They want to talk to me about how I could add value to their company. And so once we say, we've got you covered, you're banking, we've taken care of you. And we've done it in a way that we're able to bring your cost of banking way down. Now let's talk about how we could add value beyond that. So the regulatory perspective does not change that. It doesn't change how we can go to market with creative product offerings. Um, In fact, look, John, during this time, as many banks right now have really exposed lending portfolios, um, you know, they, there's all these loans out to companies that are struggling today. We, we happen to be in a position right now where we don't have a, a, a legacy portfolio of exposed loans. So we're on the contrary, we're, we're way open for business and, and being creative in how we structure loans um, to, to, to companies, to funds, to management companies, to GPs, et cetera. Careful. I think open for business has become a, a punchline on VC Twitter these days. So we get, we got to be a little, Oh, it, Oh, it's such a punchline. And, but that's the thing. Let, let's be real about the industry we're in. I don't mean to shit on it because I'm not doing that, but there's the celebrification piece that is so real. And my advice is don't buy into what you think you're supposed to do. Right. Just because we've made it a big deal that a company gets a press release on a round, it's easier to write a press release than it is to write good code. Just because we've made it a big deal that if you raise a series A, you got to raise a series B. I call bullshit. I would question that. Do you need to raise a series B? I mean, John, our friend David Cohen always says the best way to raise money is make money. And we, we've, we've kind of built this paradigm where Founders feel the need to do certain things. They feel the need to talk about eating ramen. And again, to me, I call bullshit. Uh, I would take a step back and every step of the way, I would ask the question of, do we need to do this? Or are we doing it? Because that's what's just kind of done. And I don't believe in doing things because that's just kind of the way they're done. Um, yeah, it's, so I'll stop there. It's a bit of, um, it's a, it's a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy to, to get investors excited about your round. They want to know that you're going to be raising subsequent rounds. And so you start the, the wheels in motion and you start getting your series A investors excited about series B investors well before you sort of have a product, but uh, shift gears. Uh, 100%. A couple questions came in Louis from, from Vancouver, Moshe from, from New York are asking somewhat similar questions, which are, so every FinTech has to partner with a bank. Talk about, you know, your partnership strategy is, is Grasshopper looking to partner with FinTechs to bring new products to market or are you, are you right now? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. We'll talk, talk a bit about that. Well, so the short answer is we're always interested in, first of all, we, we know that as we've created a really powerful technology, there's others out there that are also really smart and are building really cool shit. And so as we talk both to clients of the bank, but also to non-clients of the bank, we look at how we can collectively leverage the power of technology 
for the better for for the benefit of the founder. I'll give you one example. One of the partnerships that we've entered into is with a uh, a card company called Divi. Divi's uh, backed by by NEA as their lead. Why we like them as our card provider for founders is because it's not just a credit card. It also manages all of your back office, all of your expenses, and it's free and it's a slick product. Um, and it's better than a, you know, a card that we just simply create ourselves because we're not in the business of creating credit cards, like in building that stack. And so we've partnered with someone that's really good at it. Um, and we're continuing to look at different, different partnerships, um, that can expand, really expand. What is a bank? What is a bank? In 10 years, the answer to that question is going to be different than it is today. Today, it's, it's very transactional. In 10 years from now, how is technology going to impact the definition of a bank? And a bank should be much broader. And it will be driven by the various pieces of fintech that are being built now that are being added to banking, a banking suite. Good stuff. What, so for the entrepreneurs that are on, um, should they reach out to you? Is there a partnerships person at Grasshopper? If they're thinking yes. about who, just reach out to Jeremy. So yeah, let me make this really easy. First, if I can help you in any way with no expectation of anything in return, um, email me. Um, I can offer my email address now, John, I don't know if you're going to share it back afterwards, but it's jeremy.shore at grasshopper.bank, J-E-R-E-M-Y.S-H-U-R-E at grasshopper.bank. I'm a big believer in the concept of give first. So again, if I can help you in any way, start with that and you can reach out to me and I'll, and I will jump on a phone or a zoom anytime. The second, if you want to talk about partnerships, reach out. If you have questions about a banking relationship and it doesn't even involve grasshopper, I'm happy to be a sounding board. If you want to talk about your pitch, if you want to talk about your investment strategy, uh, if you want to talk about how you're feeling, all these things, fair game. That's what I'm here for. Likewise, if you want to get a hold of me, also email jeremy.shore at grasshopperbank.com. <laughs> so, <laughs> list listeners, I, I teased uh, Jeremy's the, the man with a give first attitude, but you've got the ink to prove it. I don't know if you can show it on, on screen. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, so I do have a number of tattoos that this is one of them. It's, it's gratitude, um, which for me is my driver of, of give first. Um, look, give first. I know it's the concept I learned about it, kind of the term give first through Techstars when I've been working with Techstars as a mentor, um, for, for, too many years to count. And it's my favorite thing to do. Um, the idea of give first, it's this really interesting concept where you have to shift your thinking where the idea of not expecting anything in return is a little bit contrary to what we, the way our, the factory setting of many of our minds are where in many ways people keep score in a relationship, right? If I do this for you, will I get something back? And so give first actually eliminates that second question. It's I'm going to do this thing for you because first of all, it feels good. It in giving first, you learn a lot in giving first. You're able to, and I feel better about myself every time I'm able to lean in and help a founder. 
Um, a big question I get a lot is, well, do you need to be an expert to be a mentor? Hell no. What I learned, uh, from, from one of my mentors is that everybody has something to give something. So you could start with that. When I started mentoring tech companies, I was a lawyer. I was a litigator at that point, And I was really good at telling a story. So I started with what I knew pitch. How do you, how do you pitch? How do you give a pitch in a really compelling manner? Uh, and re and, and so I started and that became a specialty initially of just reworking an entire pitch, um, and then developing a skill set beyond that. But, but yeah, giving first for me is one of life's greatest journeys. What's, uh, give us some success stories. What's the, what's the craziest mentoring experience? You've had? <laughs> There's gotta be some good juicy stories. Oh, dude. Dude. Um, <laughs> okay. One that comes to mind, there was a, there was a program, I think it was 2013 maybe. And so at that point, a lot of the programs were really focused on demo day and at demo day, the demo days were the longer pitches. I think it was about a five minute pitch. And so there was a founder in that cohort that was a brilliant founder in a terrible pitcher, like uh, terrible at pitching. And he, he admitted it just terrible. Couldn't amplify his voice, was very nervous, didn't use his hands. They were, they were at his side and he was, he was just freaking out about this demo day pitch. And we kept doing pitch practice and it didn't change. So I said to him, kind of meet me on Saturday morning at 8am in Washington square park. Uh, and I didn't tell him why. And so he came and I said, okay, stand on this bench in the park and pitch, give your pitch until five people stand and listen to it from beginning to end and just keep doing it until you get those five people. And so I stood and I, I first stood five feet away and he started and I said, dude, I, I can't hear you. And then 10 feet away and then 15 away. And it forced him out of his comfort zone. It forced him to get animated, forced him to project his voice. And he did succeed. He did get five people to listen to his pitch. Um, and he did nail it at demo day. And it, you know, when I think about mentorship, it's not just, it's not just answering the questions posed, but it's also adding suggestions to help the company that they may not be thinking about and truthfully being okay to, to, in an empathetic way, make suggestions that the fact that might be hard for a founder to hear, but that it is in their benefit to hearing. And so for him, I, I did say, look, you need to fix your pitch. Um, I'll work on it with you. And that's how we did it. Any, any videos exist from Washington score park? Yeah, somewhere. Uh, I've got to go into the archives, but yeah, back to 2013, I think. But yeah, yeah, there's somewhere, man. Awesome. So Tanvir wrote in with a question. You talked about the emphasis um, and empathy with the founders that you're coaching, talking about what's keeping them up at night yeah. and what you can do to help. How do you instill that empathy on, on your extended team? Right. Because you're you're hiring quite a few people on your team at, at, at Grasshopper. So how are you coaching your team? And maybe another way to say it is, is how do you instill that ethos at scale amongst your team to make sure the whole team is, is supporting founders in that capacity? 
Awesome question. Um, so one of the things that Grasshopper, and it's actually, it's interesting that I believe this is now going to be proven out during COVID, but pre-COVID, we wanted to hire best best athletes agnostic of where they lived. If you're really good at your job, um, being able to pay the price of admission to live in New York City or you know another city like San Francisco, LA, Boston, should not be a requirement to get a job at a company if you can do the job well. And so what that allowed us to do is to make hires where they may not live in New York. And by the way, one of the cool things I didn't mention about one of the reasons I joined Grasshopper is just because I do have a chip right here that all roads don't lead back to Sand Hill Road. And so it was kind of cool to build a bank, uh, a tech bank actually born and bred in New York. But to answer the question directly, John, I, I don't think that empathy can be taught. I don't think that under, you know, found being able to really get in the weeds and have that DNA with founders is a teachable skill, which is why the folks on the team, part of why they're on the team is because they come with that. Yeah. Right. If you follow Miha on Twitter, M-I-C-A-H, that's his Twitter handle. And he's Twitter famous for starting Founder Friday. I mean, Miha's the most empathetic and strategic mentor, coach, founder I've ever met. And that's why if anyone, you know, in a, in a legacy bank would say, how could you hire someone that doesn't know banking? It's because they need to know founders. That's the first piece the banking piece, that's the piece you can teach, but the empathy, um, it has to be within you. That's, that's awesome. That's sage advice. Hire for empathy. You're not gonna, you're not gonna scale that at least not in, in a natural fashion. So that's fantastic. So, uh, Maria Deem new to the program. She wrote in with a question. Hi Maria. I, she, she just screamed from the other room. Hi. How does grass, how do your services and activities change depending on the, on the stage of the company? So, you know, how does founder first and how does your support change for say the later stage customers versus, yeah. you know, really the, the seed and, and pre-seed companies that, that your team is engaging with? Yeah, I suppose the model of what I think folks are used to, we we flipped it. And by that, I mean, later stage high flying companies typically get the love. They typically get the extra here's extra invitation to some wine party, this or that. And the earlier stage companies, especially those with low deposits, don't get too much attention. We flipped that script. What we tried to do is lean in with the earlier stage companies and act as a, a true partner to them. I mean, as an extension of their team to the extent that they want it. How do our services differ as a company gets older? So, so again, let me, let me highlight that we care a lot about you, whether or not you've got a ton of money in your account and we show it by how we show up. And I can, Get into that if you're curious, but I'm not interested and in, I'm not here to kind of sell, right? I'm here to talk about broader, broader questions. But if you have questions, I'm happy to answer them. As you get through kind of the, get into the growth stage, that's where we get to be more creative in lending. Um, and we have a ton of lending products, but, but we also 
we also look to help you scale your business. And that's where we, we also look at how can we as a partner add value by thinking through who could be other good clients for you, not just investors. A lot of people always talk about, we can help you with investors. How can we help understand your industry and how can we help you then think through best clients and how to pitch those clients? Um, because again, lending, checking accounts, these are things that the banks offer. We're a bank. We, we, we too offer these things. Um, we have different parameters. Um, like I mentioned, we, we do put a lot of emphasis on emerging managers. We do put a lot of emphasis on first time founders. We do put a lot of emphasis on ecosystems outside of New York and San Francisco as, as well as, as well as those, but ultimately our human involvement and our technology both scale with the growth of the company so that um, we've got folks all experienced all the way through private equity, um, acquisition, IPO, et cetera, that we can kind of guide through that to the extent yeah. we're able to. I appreciate that. I want to, I want to shift gears back to some of the, some of the founders. We've got a, a few questions coming in just on, on mentorship philosophy and sort of how you approach it, which I think you touched on. Yeah. But you know, Una Lance is asking. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. Una. Can we Una's just stop? On. Una's one of my favorites. So I'm giving Una big claps. She's she's one of my favorites. I'm not gonna I have you know. do the Lance. I'm not gonna have you do the Lance pitch today. But I but but you, how about the Lance dance? You can do the Lance dance. I won't do that either. Go ahead. You know, she, she asked me, you know, what's the one thing you've, you've coached? I mean, it's probably been 500 companies um, just looking at the tech stars yeah, system in general, grasshopper. It's probably, you know, you could probably double that. You know, what's, what's the one thing, you know, if you were to say macro view that you're just constantly coaching founders on, what's the one thing that you think they could do better? Oh my God. That's a great question. There's, there's a lot. Um, I suppose I'm going to pull out just a few, few. One, um, it's around drinking your own Kool-Aid. So it's always taking a step back and asking if you are in love with the problem or the solution. Consistently, I see that certain founders are in love with the solution. Here's what we've created. And so therefore, we should be able to raise capital or sell it. I'd shift that paradigm to being in love with the problem because that oftentimes is glossed over in pitches where people really say just, you know, there's this problem, but here's the solution. I would really emphasize more. Why are you in love with the problem that you're solving for? What is that problem? So then it kind of makes the salute. It gives context to the solution that you've created. So it's really ensuring that you're in love with the problem and not just the solution. And then the second, um, this, I, this, I learned a lot from, from my friend, Mark Solon. It's the, this concept of to, to speed up, you have to slow down, you know, founders, Look, I get it. You're running a million miles an hour and it's a 24 seven life. Um, but, but at the same time, um, you want to, you want to respond and not react. And so sometimes when you're faced with decisions, um, that may have broader implications than just kind of a quick, a quick standard question, um, 
force yourself to take time to think about it. Um, as much as you feel like you may be in a rush to move forward, um, there are broader implications to many decisions made by a founder, um, including, including who your partners are. So take the time to pause and reflect and ask the questions of why. Um, partnership is critical. When you think about your investor, when you think about your law firm, your bank, your accelerator program, every time you have those conversations, don't think about it as just, I need to check this box and make sure it's done. Ask yourself with everyone and then ask them themselves, how are you going to provide my company value beyond the table stakes of your offering? If it's a fund, it's okay, here's the check, but how else are you gonna help accelerate my success? Same with the law firm, same with the bank, same with an accelerator. Awesome. The, um, I, I want to, we have a, a couple follow-up questions on, on some of your discussion around just, just supporting early stage companies. I think it's a pretty amazing, pretty amazing shift. I think you're going to give some people, you can give some people love in the chat while I'm, while I'm asking this question, the, the follow-up question around, okay, you're supporting early stage founders. You built a team, you've hired for empathy and you're just there as, as a extension of, of your customers. But this, this question says, you know, at the end of the day, you're a bank. It's about return on assets, return on equity. It's about financials. So talk a little bit about what you're seeing um, down the road from the long tail. So the long tail is like, you're just there to support companies, your customers. Um, they need help regardless of how many assets under management. How does that manifest itself down the road or how do you see that manifesting itself down the road in terms of sort of pure return on investment or metrics of the value of the company? You're asking how we measure success. Yeah. How do you think your I mean, is strategy, that, is that your strategy of just supporting? Yeah. How do you measure your strategy to support companies at the earliest stage? Talk about what mm -hmm. you hope that will achieve. Obviously the hope is that they become very valuable, large, successful businesses. But is, is that the case sure. is you're just investing early, hoping that they become big or talk about, you know, what, what, what metrics matter to you most? No. Yeah. There's the non quantifiable, but really critical one at the top, John, which is building a bank ultimately that reputationally and market is known to not just talk about, but execute on being a true founder first, founder focused bank. And that we do show up and add that value in that we are able to create a differentiator so much so as we, how we engage, how we show up, how we support, how our technology is differentiated, how we're able to offer things that other banks just simply don't, right? The, the idea that Grasshopper itself, scale is differentiated as to how we show up, right? That, that first and foremost is really important to me that we deliver on helping founders. Now, as we grow the bank, of course, being, being a bank and having investors, that means growth in deposits and growth in loans and things like that. But our belief is also that business shouldn't just come. I mean, it might, but we want to ensure that when we're working with someone, we're adding value 
so that they then decide to move to Grasshopper because we've demonstrated value, not because we've been, simply been around for 30 years and therefore you should just sign up with us without knowing what it means. It's we know them, they've added value, then it makes sense to work together. Um, so we there, there's no kind of preconceived notions that just because I'm at Grasshopper, just because we have great tech, just, you know, it, it's let, let's add value to your company kind of put our put it's the idea of show don't tell right yep. we, we really want to show instead of just tell that's awesome single single north star to help so we're getting close to time what uh, you know i we can chat all day but i know you're uh I, i've got to let you go eventually what sort of any parting words you want to leave folks with words of wisdom i mean this is a tough environment how are, you know whether it be you know how you're maintaining energy i know you've got the the young ones the the puppy um hundreds of <laughs> hundreds of founders reaching out to you <laughs> you know any, any yeah. parting words for i the, mean for the truth truth dude it's 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 stuff like this you know i i get my fuel from literally having one of these in my hand it's coffee and, and and founders you all can email me or hit me on twitter i'm at jeremy shore and set up time to chat i get fuel by helping founders so that gives me a, a ton of energy um i do have three little boys uh, my wife and I both have full-time jobs. Uh, two of my kids are going through virtual learning right now. And then my two-year-old is just going through virtual Elmo. So, and then just to add to the, add to the crazy at your suggestion, we got a puppy two weeks ago. So, right. Um, it was the right it's move. It's just being focused on the present. It is the right move. But look, my, my suggestion, I'm never in the business of giving advice. <laughs> is to try your best not to worry too much about what what the future is going to be when it's out the things that are outside of your control try not to worry about because they're outside of our control my belief is that worrying is like paying interest on a debt you don't owe and so during this time where we get to, in many ways, eliminate a lot of noise that, that, that is self, that is self-created when we're just in constant motion, we're able to now sharpen our focus and focus on the things that really matter, the big boulders. So for companies really just drilling down hard on platform, product, go to market, raising capital, looking at the feedback loops, where are things broken, fix those, right? And then it's, it's, it's navigating the challenges that many companies are facing as it relates to COVID and being open and vulnerable. And this is mentorship advice too, to expect anyone to be vulnerable with you. You have to be vulnerable with them. Being able to ask for help and not thinking that you have to have all the answers. And then just doing the things that are fundamental to your heart. For me, it's ensuring that I spend time with my kids every day, that I spend time with my wife, that I disconnect for a certain period of time. But critical is that I'm spending time with founders every day because uh, that's what that's what fuels me. And, and it's different for everybody. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to learn a new song on the guitar every week, just just because it's 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 a thing to focus on, and I enjoy it. But it's, you, it's are you carving out me time a, to make it happen. Are you going to send me a singing a singing telegram when it's done? You want me to write you a song? I'll, I'll write you. 
song fintech it doesn't yeah, have fintech, to be about fintech. i'll figure it out it doesn't. well listen i can't think of a, a of a better question to go out on jeremy thanks for being here i love uh, every minute we get to spend time together so so thanks for your for your candor and for your feedback look look uh, john i would i i have to say before we before we go though look to anyone that's listening I take a lot of my lessons on being a great support a great support system for founders and, 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 and how I want to be as a human being. I get, I take a lot of that from you, John. I think you're exceptional. I think you're exceptional bringing community together. I think you're an exceptional investor and support for founders. Um, you know, anytime anyone has a FinTech question for me, I'm going to do my best to answer it, but dude, you're always my go-to. Um, and so I, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you and your friendship. Thank you, sir. Likewise. So um, up next, next week, we've got Isaac Oates from JustWorks, the king of HR tech. Rian Horgan's coming on the show. Uh, Jenny Abramson just joined us. And of course, John Stein from Betterment. So um, click on the top left on, on the Crowdcast channel and sign up for a future one. Otherwise, hit us up. Let us know what you loved, what you hated on Twitter at Jeremy Shore and at John Zanoff. Thanks again for being here, Jeremy. And we'll speak yeah. soon. Yeah. Anytime, brother. All right. Uh, hope to see you all on the Twitterverse, email, Zoom, and in real life soon. Stay safe, stay healthy. I hope you enjoyed this very special episode of For Fintech's Sake with John and Jeremy. If you want to get in touch with us, join a future live AMA, or figure out where to send your complaint letters about this new host, you can find John and Empire Startups on Twitter at Empire Startups. Or sign up for their weekly newsletter at empirestartups.com. You'll be able to see any new and upcoming AMAs and lots more fintech fodder there. It's a newsletter worth signing up for as well. And if you want to get in touch with me to learn more about Bond or just to talk it out during these trying times, please reach out. You can get in touch with me via email at Zach at ForFintechSake.com or Zach at Bond.Tech. Or feel free to holler at us on Twitter at Zach Pettit or at ForFintechSake. Until next time, stay healthy, keep your head high, and make sure you turn off your Zoom video before changing clothes at home. Thank you.